0: Welcome to the Chess Underground, eccentricities, Peculiarities, and Theoretical Novelties. All right, uh, welcome back to the Chess Underground. Um, we are here for episode five now, um, and today's guest is uh, Stacia Pugh, a professional cornhole player who uh, and a tournament director, who I will allow to introduce herself.
1: Okay, thank you, Pete. Yes, my name is Stacia Pugh, and I'm an ACL pro for the American Cornhole League. Um, and I also consider myself an adult improver in chess, um, which kind of led to me working for a chess organization. Um, I left my actual career um, at age 39 last year, and uh, and now I, I do cornhole and chess for a living. <laughs> so so I guess that, that's an intro. <laughs>
0: Would it be, do you think it would be uh, too much of a leap to say you might be the only professional chess slash cornhole player?
1: (laughs) Well, I haven't met another one yet, so um, I'm thinking that's accurate.
0: (laughs) Nice. Okay, so we have the world's only professional chess slash cornhole player um, on the show today, and I'm really excited to meet with you. Um, Thanks for being here, Stacia. Um, My You know my first question when we first started talking we met at this year's um 2019 national elementary where you were helping out as a tournament director um the first thing i'm wondering about is you know you mentioned you were an adult improver in chess what got you interested in chess and organizing and participating later in life
1: yeah it's kind of interesting like i did kind of like play around with chess uh back in college when i was probably like about 20 years old Um, but never seriously you know casual games with friends and and that sort of thing i had no idea there was a chess world or chess tournaments for that matter um and it wasn't till wasn't until um i believe age 37 so just almost four years ago now um when one of my friends at work was playing on an app on his phone chess with friends and like I swear, something like snapped inside of me as soon as I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, chess. I forgot about chess, you
0: know, and I can now crush all my friends.
1: <laughs> well, it was more like, um, oh, my gosh, I bet there's YouTube videos that help you get better. And and it just like opened up this whole world. So I started on chess with friends and then joined chess.com like maybe two or three months later and and then attended my first tournament um, just a couple months after that. And uh, just had an awesome time. So I've been hooked since.
0: (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, it's interesting because colleges around the time I started playing cornhole, although I will I will be honest. um, We had a totally different name for it. Uh, I went to Iowa State out in the middle of nowhere and I think we just called it the beanbag game. Oh, okay. Have you is that is that not an acceptable term or is that like a uh maybe like a a derision on the on the sport of cornhole to call it that
1: it's probably borderline offensive to the professional cornhole players like myself (laughs) right right (laughs) take it so seriously but um i do know like in chicago area they just call it bags like they don't call it cornhole and i personally don't like the term cornhole that much so i think i'm okay with anything (laughs) Gotcha. slightly uh, variable
0: yeah so um for our listeners who may not know, could you just give like a brief overview? Um, you know, they're very familiar with chess, but maybe a, a brief overview of what exactly cornhole is.
1: Okay, sure. Well, it's gonna sound a little silly, but basically um you take these one pound bags and it started off as bags filled
0: with uh corn. Ah, hence the name.
1: <laughs> and um and you took these bags of corn, uh, like cloth bags basically. And you throw them 27 feet away from a board. And the board has a hole sort of in the center, sort of, sort of near the top. Um, and you try to get the bag in the hole, basically. It's one point if you put it on the board. And it's three points in the hole. And you play to twenty-one. And um, it's a very simple game. Um, but kind of like chess in a way, and I guess this is what appealed to me, it does have strategy once you start to get accurate at it it has more and more strategy as you go. Um, but it's also a tailgating game. So, you know, this is something that you see at family get-togethers. You see it like sports events in the in the parking areas, you know, tailgating type stuff. So um, I'd say it's, it's almost like a polar opposite of chess in some ways. So I'm not sure how I stumbled onto this. <laughs>
0: <again>. <laughs> you know, that's interesting because I was going to actually draw a connection there with chess. You know, I think about... Um, family get-togethers, I feel like I always have a relative who wants to play or who knows how to play, right? Or maybe who knows like 90% of the rules of chess and wants to ask me about a few, you know, like what is this castling thing that you speak of here? Um, So I I feel like in that way, it is kind of like this game that draws people together, um, especially in families. You know, I think a lot of chess players, I don't know about your personal experience, but um, a lot of chess players, you know, I think, uh, start off playing with family members, right? Um, they have a dad or grandma or a cousin or somebody who plays. Um, so that's interesting. I, I, I think um, in, terms, in terms of cornhole, though, you mentioned strategy. I'm really fascinated to hear about that. I, I told you a little bit, I was doing some research on cornhole before the show. And I found this video that was apparently like one of the hardest shots in Cornhole. Like it was a, it was like a super, I don't know, he was a professional player and he made this super shot where he essentially knocked the other guy's bag off the board and got his in the, in the hole. Oh, so,
1: okay. Yes.
0: <laughs> are you familiar with that one? I, I assume this is like a, a key, like strategic uh, or a tactical like play here. Am I, am I in the ballpark hopefully?
1: You are, you are. That's a definitely a high level shot. Um, it's not. It's probably one that I could only hit twenty percent of the time if I were trying it. So I'm not sure I would try it in a real game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was executed on ESPN um, last week on TV by Damon, by uh, by a fellow named Dennis, right? Damon Dennis, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. You're on top. <laughs> okay. <of them. laughs> hey, that's the video I saw. <laughs> All right, I got the one video. So, I mean, would that be considered? You know, like. Um, let's draw an analogy to chess here. You said that's something you wouldn't play in a real game. Um, cause you can only hit it about 20% of the time. Would that be considered something like a risky shot?
1: Yeah, absolutely. A, a risky shot. I mean, I would, if I was going to compare it to chess, I would say it would be like an un, unsound sacrifice where you're like sacking a knight on E6 and now you pretty much have to go for their King, but who knows if it's going to work, you know,
0: like that kind of thing. <laughs> like a, like a skeptical or what's, what's the word? Uh, um, speculative sacrifice right? yeah
1: yeah it is, <laughs> although you can if you hit that shot precisely in cornhole then it's great but it's just so risky like i can't mm-hmm. like if i gave any pro 10 bags and said execute that shot 10 times i really doubt anyone could do it more than like three or four
0: wow oh wow and that so that's like a very impressive and, and difficult shot to pull off so just to describe exactly what it is the 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 opponent's player's bag is still resting on the cornhole board um which is a a a wooden shape um sort of like a a cheese wedge right is that the best way to describe it the the board itself uh yeah yeah sort of like a cheese wedge with with the hole at the at the top if you will you know the 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 thick part of the cheese wedge and what you do is you throw the bag and you hit the other bag off the top and also sink your own in the in the hole scoring three points
1: right right exactly so it's really great if um if they have a bag like just over the hole, you are really, you need to score four points for the win instead of three. So instead of just putting your bag in the hole, you actually knock knock them right off. You kind of like use their, you kind of bank
0: off their bag slightly. Like a bank shot in basketball almost?
1: Yeah, almost like that. Uh, and then you go in the hole and theirs go, goes off the board. So yeah, interesting. So like. <laughs>
0: oh go ahead sorry
1: <laughs> i was gonna say interesting shy and and there's also ways like if the bag is further up on the board you can actually bank off those bags as well like ricochet them off and go in the hole
0: hmm. okay so it's
1: kind of like a play off that same tactic
0: i guess so like in chess I'm, I'm trying to think of like the the corollary here right you know um an example that i might think of would be maybe in a rapid event you're playing a lower rated player and this might be the time to employ, like, a risky speculative sacrifice because you just want to really imbalance the game, right? Yeah. Um, are there any special circumstances where you might employ this tactic in Cornhole, this uh, this bag knock? Does it have a name? Does this particular thing have a name? Um,
1: gosh, it probably does, but I, I don't know what it would be called. I mean, I would call it, like, a bank shot airmail or something like that. Okay. Um, but it's definitely considered one of the most aggressive shots you can throw.
0: (laughs) I feel like bank shot airmail is a term that I remember from like NBA Jam in Super Nintendo. No, you know that game? I'm
1: not familiar with that particular game.
0: (laughs) Okay. They had all these like weird, you know, colloquialisms or or phrases regarding uh, basketball. And it was kind of like really way over the top. Um, actually that, so that's an interesting question before, before we came on. I also mentioned to you that I was looking up some cornhole terminology. <laughs> and since you brought one up right now, the bank shot airmail, um, I'm curious, do you, do you sort of think like, you know, chess, we have our own language, right? Mm-hmm. That- you know, it, I always tell my students, you know, if you were to go up to your, to your school teacher and, and say something along the lines of, oh, man, I had him in Zugzwang and then I was able to outflank his king and uh, promote my pawn. You know, if they didn't have any chess knowledge, they'd probably look at you with a blank stare, right? <laughs> like, right. what are you talking about? Um, is, this, is, is, it, is, it, is it a similar situation in, in Cornhole as well? Could you put together a sentence about what happened in a game?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, there, there's shots called, you know, there's blockers, there's bully bags, there's the airmail. Then there's like line drive airmail. The rocket ship airmail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what okay, what is a rocket ship airmail? I'm curious about that one. Rocket
1: ship airmail is when you throw it super high, like ridiculously high, and then it just goes straight in the hole.
0: <laughs> Would there be a tactical or like strategic reason to do that or is it mainly just like for fun?
1: That's mostly a trick shot. Although, you know, I will employ like a higher airmail than usual like if someone's like got a bag directly in the hole uh-huh. uh, or right, I mean right in front of the hole, sorry. And I really don't want to touch their bag at all. Then I'll throw it extra high so that I can just go right over it, right in the hole.
0: So. Okay. That makes sense. Um, one of the ones that I was curious about um, it's called a hooker. <laughs> have you heard of this term? A
1: hooker. I have
0: the cornhole term, <laughs> a hooker. Okay. Here's the definition of a hooker in cornhole. Okay. A bag hitting the board and hooking or curving around a blocker and going into the hole.
1: Mm, okay, we call that a curve. A
0: curve, okay. Uh,
1: and there's a the standard curve shot and then there's a reverse curve. And often it's in tandem with like stepping out. So, like in Cornwall, you sort of have like a batter's box type thing along the side of the board. Okay. And so you can actually take one full step to the right or left uh, depending what side you're on. Okay. Um, yeah, a very common shot at the pro level is that reverse curve where you step out to the right and then you tilt the bag, um, maybe 45 degrees, um, downward to the right. Like, or I will say twist it clockwise. Okay. So have an angled bag. And that way when it, when it hits the board, it will actually hook left and you can go around bags using that, which is nice.
0: So when you, (laughs) when you throw it in that way. Is the bag, uh, I'm trying to sort of like picture this is it like spinning as it hits the board almost?
1: Yeah, exactly right. So in cornhole, like a lot of backyard players will just throw it like a softball or hold the bag by the corner. But that's, I would call those methods like incorrect. Like, okay. Like if you want to be a decent cornhole player, let's say like 1100 rated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. I want to be a class E cornhole player.
1: Yeah. If you want to be okay. a You know, if you want to get over a thousand, (laughs) you've got to throw the spin. It's just, um, I I often call it like a pizza toss. Like you want it to be perfectly flat spinning in the air, almost Uh. like a frisbee even. And that way when it lands on the board, you have more control over the bag and it will will go straight. So it improves your accuracy like dramatically. Um, Okay. Like if you throw the bag like a softball, um, it has the risk of just like bouncing in any direction. Mm-hmm. You can get okay at that. Like I've seen accurate throwers that employ that method, but you know it's not going to work in the long term.
0: You can't control it actually. Once it once it lands, basically, is when you can't control it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And people will start to say, "Oh, I'm so unlucky." It's like, well, <laughs>
0: <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, you got to throw the bag right, so you know.
0: So the 1100 cornhole player has to know how to quote unquote, throw the spin, right?
1: Yeah. So the spin. what does
0: the grandmaster cornhole player have to have to know? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's a really hard
1: question. I don't know. Let's see. I'm GM level in cornhole. That's nice. I'm only like 1700 in chess.
0: So that feels good. Um, So you would be considered like a a cornhole GM.
1: I would be right. I'm like, um, I'm the number one ranked female in cornhole wow and um and like is that t- worldwide in america that's i mean it's in the world they're playing in the world now
0: okay, Germany, okay.
1: australia all over so i guess i could say in the world and okay. the, um also i'm like i don't know my exact ranking right now but i think it's 28th overall wow so um, it's not as big as the chess world, obviously, but 28th is still really good. I think there's like 30,000 people in the ACL or something like that. There's,
0: some, there's a ridiculous
1: amount of players.
0: So we'd call you, you know, something like maybe 2,600 rated uh, chess yeah. ones? Let's go
1: 2,650.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. High twenty high 2,600s Cornell player.
1: So a strong GM, but yeah, there's, there's still many better players than myself. But I would say you need to, you would have to really dig into strategy to get to, mm. to that level in cornhole. So you got to know how to throw a blocker. Mm-hmm. Like you'll face players that can just slide the whole, the, slide the bag in the hole over and over again, um, like a robot. And when you run into an opponent like that, um, you've got to find a way to imbalance the game a bit. Um, kind of like in chess when you might like, do a pawn push that might be premature, just to make the game crazy, you know?
0: Right, or sack in exchange just to gain some positional compensation, maybe. Yeah.
1: Just to imbalance the game and give sure. both sides better chances, and so you'll need to do things like block the hole, lead bags hanging in the hole, um, you know, knock their bags out of the way, and go in and start hit, hitting those strategical type concepts in cornhole. And um, it's kind of cool when they show it on ESPN; they go really in depth, like it's. Um, Trey Ryder, who is a cornhole player, goes like really in depth on the strategy on that broadcast. So it's really cool that they do that because um, otherwise you would just be like, "Oh, they won the hole." They do-
0: <laughs> they're throwing bags at a hole. Okay, then
1: <laughs> another person threw a bag at the hole. That's an exciting development,
0: <laughs>
1: right? But yeah, but if you talk about the strategy of the game, it is really interesting. Um, so that's probably what I enjoy most about it.
0: Do you feel like that's also maybe what draws you in towards chess?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, chess has unlimited strategies. That's definitely what attracted me to it. Um, Because I felt like cornhole was running out of strategy strategy for me a little bit. (laughs) Okay. Kind of like going back on that thought now, though. Like more and more strategical things are coming up that I haven't thought of myself. So... I'm more interested in it now, but yeah, when I was first coming into chess like three years ago or four years ago, rather, um, I was like, Oh, unlimited strategy, unlimited stuff to learn. Like I love
0: this, you know? Right. So it definitely drew me in from that aspect. You know, one thing I find with chess is, um, the more I learn and know about chess. And honestly, I would consider myself a bit of an adult improver as well. I played as a kid. Um, So I guess I can't really claim uh, pure adult improver status, if you will, (laughs) but I've actually gotten better as an adult. Um, uh, My rating has gone up since I was uh, the age of 30. Um, And uh, one of the things I've learned in terms of chess, and I wonder if this is true as well for Cornhole, is the more I learn that I know, the more I realize I don't know. You know, it's like I, I, I keep gaining more knowledge and then I realize, you know, there's there's new things on the horizon. There's so much more um, vastness out there that I would like to learn and would like to know. Um, and I, I feel like it's almost like this well that that keeps, you know, refreshing. Um, would you say the same is true for Cornhole? The more you know, the more you realize you don't know, or is there maybe like an upper limit somewhere in there?
1: It's definitely not um, as intense that as it is in chess. but uh- Mm. But yeah, three years ago, I kind of thought I was running out of strategy. Um, I remember was well, I retired from cornhole for like a year or two, actually from from playing nationally, and um, and only came back to it recently when it started getting on TV and stuff.
0: Okay, you were like, heck yeah, I'll be on ESPN. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, it was more like my my friend and partner, um, Christine Papke. She is the number two ranked female right now. Well, with okay. the picture, she was easily number one, and she was getting on TV and getting on ESPN and stuff. And I'm like, can I really let her do this without challenging her at all? <laughs> you know, right, like, right? I want my I want hold up. <laughs> yeah, hang on a second. I want to be part of that. So, so yeah, I definitely ecstatically came back, and uh, mm. I'm really glad I did. Because it seems to be growing and more and more um, they've taken me on a co- – they've actually um, – the ACL has flown me out to New York City a couple times for some PR tours. Cool. Oh. We're gaining sponsors. That's That never happened um, prior to two years ago. There were no sponsors in the cornhole world now. It's like players are getting sponsors. So there's actually some money in it due to that, like beyond winnings. Um, right because I wouldn't be a pro cornhole player if it was just for winnings I do Mm -hmm. pretty well on winnings which is nice but I feel like just like in chess like it's hard to rely on that you know like I don't want my livelihood like dependent on whether I win a tournament or not you know like that's that takes the fun out I think um right but something I can do is things like this you know get on podcasts do media appearances um build my name or my brand for my name and and, um, like I was on live with Kelly and Ryan on July 4th, mm-hmm. you know, so that was really good for me. Like, um, that'll help me maybe gain some sponsorship.
0: Right. Yeah. I imagine actually, you know, sort of again, <laughs> wow, I, I was wondering what chess and cornell had in common, but, but actually it seems like quite a bit, you know, it's a game that I feel like more people know it and play it than, you know, would go to a tournament or would join an organization, you know, like you mentioned July 4th. Uh, I, I remember I went to a fireworks parade and party and there were definitely, you know, at least four or five like cornhole boards set up and people tossing the beanbag, you know, with like a Budweiser in their hand having a good time. So I feel like the game is well known and, and actually pretty popular. Would you say that's true? Yeah, it, I mean, it definitely
1: is. Like, in, at that casual level, you know, like the tailgating pool right. and like family events, and of course, that's how I started. You know, my dad pulled out some boards and at, at a at a cookout where it was so much fun. You know, so right. Um, it's nine years later now. I'm still having a lot of fun with it, and I think that's why it's getting on TV. You know, is because people are like, "Oh, look, it's cornhole. I play that. Let's see. Let's see if these guys really are good."
0: You right. know, yeah, I could take them. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And the other interesting thing to me too, is that like, it's not like watching, um, like professional basketball, you know, where you see somebody do this awesome dunk and you're, you don't look at that and go, Oh, I could do that. They're a
0: lot bigger and faster than I
1: am. Yeah. So, I mean, you could be 50 years old. Um, you could be a 50 year old female Mm -hmm. and watch cornhole and think huh i could do that and that's entirely true like we have um female pros we have teenage pros we have um senior pros like up to the age of like 65 even wow like it's kind of like an all-encompassing like inclusive game you know and um i also like it in terms i feel like chess is similar actually but um very similar, but I feel like there's no like, um, major advantage to males versus females, you know, and right. how I've been able to be successful. Um, cause they're one pound bags, you know, you don't need insane amount of muscle to throw these. You just need, will you know, so, um, so I really enjoy that about it as well.
0: Yeah. That universal appeal
1: that's being celebrated in the cornhole world. Like there's more opportunities for females than for males right now, which is amazing. Um, like the the ACL has told me like I'm one of the most uh marketable players they have, even though I'm ranked twenty eight. so so it's actually by being female, it's actually um giving me a slight advantage, which is nice.
0: providing some opportunities.
1: So I don't know if it'll stay that way or whatever, but it's it's kind of refreshing, you know,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: and um, and they and now one of the big pushes is to make it more diverse, which I also really. I'm excited for that as well. Cause it's kind of like, it's overwhelmingly white right now. Um, but I think it's, it's becoming more and more diverse and pretty rapidly. So,
0: um, I'm happy to see that occurring as well. Definitely. You know, um, since you brought it up, questions similar to Chess, do they have um, women's only events, uh, tournaments, that sort of thing?
1: They do. Um, it's kind of like how Chess does it. it it's very interesting. They, they'll have like open events where I can play those, of course. and then um, But then they'll have like these other events that are like seniors only, women only, juniors only. They even had a male only tournament okay. because that's what the sponsor wanted. Okay. But um, you know, no one complained about it because the opportunities for, for women are so good. So it's like, um, so it's kind of like chess like that where they do have like niche tournaments, niche events at the main events as well.
0: Very cool. Um, you know, uh, speaking of which, I actually, in my research about Cornhole, so I'm I'm a big fan of uh, chess variants, you know, like I like Bug House. I like Crazy House. I don't know if you play any of those games. Three check um yeah a little, and I noticed that apparently there are like some minor variations of cornhole as well um like there's one that involves three holes on the board, there's another one that that it's just the the i guess the hole and the bags are a little smaller. Have you played or participated in any of those? Do they tend to be um harder easier in your in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think they're hard, and probably most pro cornhole players would agree because. Like, it's kind of funny, like, um, you, you basically use muscle memory uh, in order to excel at cornhole. So I have to be exactly 27 feet away from the board to play my best. If you move okay. it, like, three feet forward, like, I'm terrible. I'll have a real hard time even keeping them on the board because, like, really? my arm just wants to, like, automatically throw that normal distance you know
0: (laughs) so you have like almost uh like like a like almost like a reflex right like i know exactly the amount of strength or you know motion i need to use in order to hit that 27 foot mark yeah and it's kind of akin to like chess patterns you know like if okay sure
1: i think when you add like new pieces that move differently or if you change the rules of how pawns attack or move like it, it would suddenly be much harder for people to play, like Blitz, for example. You know, and um, but I think the variants in cornhole are are interesting and fun. You know, I've seen one where there's also a slot above the hole, and that's worth like four or five points.
0: And, you know, oh wow! Okay. So you have to
1: throw your bag like perfectly flat and angled just right to get into that that slot, and like and there's definitely something called bago where it's like the boards are closer together and there's just beans inside the bags, so you can't you can't throw them flat. Like you basically just toss them, and um, yeah, there's there's also like a different way to keep score that a lot of people do in their backyards, which is instead of a race to twenty one, you have to get mm-hmm. twenty one exactly.
0: Oh, okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, it really adds to the strategy. It becomes very, very strategical. But the reason that doesn't translate to like the pro level is that it makes the games take forever. Like they can they can last. Right. I was in a tournament that scored that way, like a league, and I think we started our our championship round at like eleven p.m. at night, and we weren't done until two a.m. <laughs> so, wow, as fun as that wow. is. I don't know that I want to do it for three hours. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So there are there are some interesting variants coming out of that. And I'm sure we'll see a lot more
0: as it goes forward. Yeah. So um, in a in a in the one where uh, you have to score exactly 21. Now that means that if someone knocks your bag off, you, you still lose those points, right? So like even if you have like a plan to get to exactly 21, the other player could disrupt that. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, and there's a bust rule, so like. Um, let's say you, so if you go to 22,
0: board. it's like blackjack, you're done.
1: Well, it's a bust rule and you go back to 18.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. So the
1: game goes on and on. So like you might put a bag on the board, but if you put it anywhere near that hole and you only need one point, somebody could try to knock that bag in. And they might have a right. couple bags to do that. <laughs> so, so that's a common thing. And yeah, it's tough. I, I enjoy that a lot though. Cause it is, it is strategic you have to really think about what you're doing
0: yeah speaking of strategy i'm gonna ask like a, a strategic cornhole question here if that's okay <laughs> all right Dang. so like in chess you're compelled to make a move if it's your turn right like you can't pass um and this is a really important part of the game because it creates situations like sub um you know it, and and the the compulsion to move is a critical rule in cornhole um do you have to throw every bag during your what exactly is it called a round or a frame
1: maybe yeah so in every and yeah you could call it a frame in every frame um each person has four bags and you alternate throwing them Mm -hmm. so um you can pass those sort of. So I feel like there's not as much of a zigzagging type, type okay. thing. You can just throw the bag like off the board on purpose. Wait,
0: you could just intentionally miss, right? Yeah. And people so that's have, what I was wondering. Like if you're sitting on 20 points, you know, could you like intentionally miss and then try to get one with your last bag if you're the person who goes last, you know, for example?
1: Yeah, you can throw them off.
0: Uh-huh. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Um, Although there are zigzag type situations that can happen sometimes where um you have to get a bag on the board to not lose, but they also might have a bag hanging in the hole. So it's like you have to be really careful not to not to bump them in or hit the board too hard, but at the same time it has to stay on. So there there's situations like that mm-hmm. that you do want to be in.
0: <laughs> okay. Interesting. Now you mentioned you travel a lot for um cornhole. Um You know, I used to play chess pretty regularly and also had to travel a lot. Um, What is your most unique, you know, I I can think of, man, I remember this one chess tournament, you know, and let me tell you about that one. What's the most unique or strangest or interesting cornhole tournament you've ever attended? You know, in terms of maybe they had some odd prizes, maybe something unique happened, maybe there was a weird structure. Um, Is there one that sticks out in your memory?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, there was one in Denver that I went to that's pretty interesting. Um, they had like a jumbotron at this tournament.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Kind of like the uh, Dallas Cowboy jumbotron over the stadium. It was
1: crazy. Um,
0: could you like watch yourself take a, take a, take a throw or take a shot on this uh, jumbotron?
1: You could, you could, it was fun to watch it. I have to say that, but that was definitely a strange thing. Um, and then I've, I used to, I don't do this so much now. I mostly just play the pro circuit uh, tournaments because there, there's so many. It's hard enough to keep up with those. Um, but I used right. to just travel around and go to like what we would call money tournaments, you know, where I'm trying mm-hmm. to go and just, just get that first place prize, I guess like GMs do. Um, and we would travel all over for those. And like, there's been a few that are pretty sketchy, you know, like you show up and there's like, it's like at a barn or something like that. them put on nowhere and you know, people are just drinking right out of the wine bottle, and <laughs> so you end up in some very it int-
0: improves their aim, right? It improves their aim.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I joined in.
0: <laughs> so. there you go. You gotta, you gotta, you can't let them have the unfair advantage, right?
1: Right, exactly, right. That's probably something unusual about cornhole too. Is that um, the culture is much different? You know, mm. like um, like I drink at every tournament. I, I drink mm. red wine. Um, I don't play well without it. I'm not even kidding.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay. Interesting. Okay.
1: So That's sort of the opposite of chess. You know, if I, if I drink one,
0: (laughs) (laughs) some might disagree with you.
1: (laughs) Some might. Yeah. But I find that I'll try to, I'll, if I drink too much, let me put it that way. I'll start to play overly aggressive or something like that, and just get okay.
0: less. Um, so wait, is this one of those like Jackie Chan <laughs> drunken master moments where he says, you know, it's you have to drink, but it's difficult to drink the proper amount. You know, you can't go too high, too low. It's exactly
1: that. Yeah, okay. it's just that. I like that. Um, yeah, and we call it the happy place. My partner and I. <laughs> that. She'll be like, don't. She'll be like, find your happy place. You know, and it's
0: like, okay. Um. So but, high level cornhole theory. Find your happy place.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Very much part Got of it. it. There's way more people that drink and play even at the pro level than not. I'd say it's more like 75 percent consume at some level. But yeah, no one's getting like sloppy drunk or anything. I mean, maybe mm. a couple by accident, but um, but <laughs> yeah, alcohol is part of it, <laughs> which which is pretty interesting.
0: That is an interesting. You know, like um we were talking again before the show about some of the, you know, chess has its own very, very clear and defined subculture. You know, um, you go to a tournament, there's like an expected atmosphere, expected culture, there's kibitzing, there's blitz games going on on the side, you know? Um, it sounds like that, that might even be more so with Cornhole, you know, there's like an expected, um, culture or atmosphere that you're entering into. Would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah, I'd say the community, um, is really great um and, and maybe different than i expected expected um well i guess i didn't expect anything i mean he throws us in a hole like who would think that was <laughs> <laughs> i really didn't right. think it was but um the more cornhole players that i've met the the more i really appreciate the community of it um it's just like really decent like sold of the earth people um, a lot of blue collar workers and stuff i mean you get all kinds um, you even get people on, you know, like the, the nerdy spectrum <laughs> there, there are other chess players, you know, I'm not totally alone. And then, and then like, right. and then you have, you know, your bros too.
0: And like the, that type of, of individual, um, the, the, the bro cornholer player.
1: Yeah. You know, is this
0: the like uh, college kid with the polo shirt propped up collar or that sort of thing?
1: Yeah. And he's talking about how he's going to hit the gym and
0: you know, that's right. You got to go pump some weight so I can throw this one pound bag twenty-seven 2017.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You get it all. You get it all. But um, I have to say like overwhelmingly it's, it's family people and, and um, working class people that um, have, have really good ethics and, and everyone um, becomes like a family. Like we all watch out for each other. Um, mm-hmm. If something happens, to someone, then there's like a GoFundMe and and that person's okay due to the community coming together. And I really, it really makes me happy to see that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And like Cornhole events are very um, in tandem with like charity and fundraising as well. Mm. So that's another real benefit to it. In fact, I think the ACL is having their charity day um, this coming Monday where they're going to try and raise like, you know, their goal is a million dollars to raise for cancer. Mm. And they just might meet
0: that. I don't know.
1: Um, Wow. It's pretty. Yeah,
0: actually, that's one thing I was going to ask you when you had brought up, you know, like the, um, uh, the wine and the happy place being part of the culture. And also earlier, you had talked about um, sponsorship, right?
1: Oh, right. Um,
0: So are there a lot of like, would that be, would like the alcohol industry be one of the major sponsors? Or is there a specific type of, um, uh, I don't know if I want to say company or, or, Uh, Industry that is particularly interested in the cornhole uh, realm, world.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, with that question, I thought the same thing. I thought, you know, it's going to be Bud Light and Corona and all that. I don't see that as much as I would expect. There's some of that, like back in the day, Twisted Tea. um,
0: Okay, um, sure.
1: And I know there's conversations with Budweiser right now. I'm aware of something like that. Um, which seems totally natural, but then right. like it turns out, the main sponsor for the ACL right now is Johnsonville, and they basically sell sausages that you grow in your backyard.
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You know. Well, hey, that goes very well with a beer and a game of cornhole.
1: Yeah, so that goes with that family event type thing, I guess. Um, and then there's conversations with like some food chains. Devour Pizza is a sponsor. They sell frozen pizza. Okay. In fact, one of the tournaments. That male tur- all male tournament that I talked about, the winner gets a year supply of frozen pizza.
0: <laughs> okay, so now I want to become a professional cornhole player. Uh, <laughs> that that has sold me. What do I have to? Do? <laughs> the,
1: the frozen pizza got you, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Sign me up.
1: Yeah, and like my um, my biggest my title sponsor for this season is actually an air purification, like dehumidifier company. Okay. Called Perfect Air. Um, and then another sponsor of mine is a hot sauce, exterminator, hot sauces,
0: like, so So, oh, go it varies, ahead, sorry. it
1: varies quite a bit. Yeah. It's pretty interesting.
0: I feel like chess has a lot to learn from this. I don't know uh, how closely you've been following the recent, um, attempt, uh, by Magnus Carlson to swing the vote in Norway, uh, regarding pulling in more sponsorship money. Have you followed that at all? No, I haven't. It's, it's a really, yeah, it's a really interesting, like, current topic. Gary Kasparov weighed in on it uh, with an open letter. Um, and uh, the idea of, you know, pulling in more corporate money into the chess world and how can we do that? Um, and I, I find it fascinating that Cornwall has embraced that uh, and, and been so successful with it. Um uh, and uh where we are with chess you know i am looking for example i'll I'll clue the listeners in right now i'm i'm looking at a photo of uh, of one of the recent espn televised matches cornhole matches and both of the players you know they have these shirts on with just like sponsor logo after sponsor logo right you know like johnsonville is one that i see and uh and there's another one here uh ales i think it is some kind of farms recipe chicken um fade in reynolds they're they're just full of sponsors and i wonder you know how does how does chess get there um it's not quite as fun to televise i imagine you know two people sitting there staring at a board compared to uh these gentlemen tossing bags and drinking um but but you'd think like you know there could be some sort of uh uh, entry point, I suppose, somewhere.
1: Yeah, I would think so. Um, one thing I know the ACL did that is very impressive to me, and I wasn't aware until I went on one of those PR tours, is that the commissioner um, of the ACL, Stacy Moore, he basically hired like a real marketing team. You know, okay. Like, like outside um, sports marketing guys. Okay. And one PR guy. And these people have been doing sales and marketing, you know, for their career. Um, Like one guy um, worked for Subway and Under Armour and like some of these big brands. And he's immersed in that world of sponsorship, how that that world works. And I was learning an immense amount just hanging out with him. And um, but it occurred to me that that's why the ACL is so successful. It's like they kind of outsource the expertise needed to do that kind of work. And so maybe that's something chess can do too. I'd, I'd be surprised if chess wasn't doing that already,
0: but yeah, to a certain extent, I think, um, you know, many organizations are, um, but I think back to, you know, I remember, uh, there was a, there was a chess match on ESPN in the early two thousands. It was a uh, Kasparov versus a computer, as I recall. Um, and, and I, I don't recall having seen anything like that on ESPN since, which is too bad. um, at any rate, speaking of chess, what so what you mentioned the strategic elements, right? Um, I we met each other. You were directing a tournament. What got you into directing? What 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 made you interested in uh, in working more on the organizational side of chess?
1: Yeah, you know, it it was basically um, meeting Michael Jolson from Progress with Chess um, when I first learned that there was a nonprofit like chess teaching organization. I was just enamored with that right away. I mean, it was kind of like, wow, so it's possible to work in the chess world for a living. So, you know, keep in mind, like it was only a couple years prior that I discovered tournaments. So this whole world was just unraveling in front of me. And um and I was kind of stuck where I was working. I really liked uh doing I did real estate development for a nonprofit in Slack. Village. and I did that for 20 years I worked at the same place and I was just getting the point where it was like okay I need to take some next steps but there wasn't any there weren't options that were appealing at the time and so I started kicking around the idea of wow could I leave my career and do this pro cornhole thing which is becoming more and more demanding of my time and then maybe do chess as well um you know to have like a steady income and and so my dream was to progress with chess and i'm happy to say that actually happened
0: <laughs> congratulations yes
1: thank you thank you um i started teaching classes for them on the side and then um i since since i have grant writing and marketing experience i was actually able to get a job offer from them part-time okay um, which I accepted extremely enthusiastically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And
1: uh, So I've been working with them, and it's just been a joy. And I also discovered that I really love working with kids, which I had no idea. I don't have any kids of my own, had no intention of having kids. Um, I have been using that I really like, really will love, obviously, and adore. Um, but I had no idea that I would enjoy working with kids and teaching kids so much. So that kind of led to me being a tournament director because we – Scholastic events um up here in Northeast Ohio. And so when they said I could help be like a floor TD for those, that was really appealing to me. I'm like, yeah, I want to, you know, work with the kids. I've been teaching, you know, see them in the in the tournament setting and maybe get some students and and so on and so forth. So um so I've just been loving it. Like there, there's so many aspects of the chess world that I'm enjoying. Taking me away from my studies a little bit, but I do intend to uh, to keep pushing with that as well. I want to, you know, I have a dream of being an IM. That's a bit of a stretch, but.
0: <laughs> You're um, already a 2650 plus cornhole player. You can achieve um, anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. But, you know, it, I just, you know, I think of rating those. I just like hitting the next step. So I've been 1790. I want to get to 1900, you know, right. that would be appealing and then, and then go from there. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm really enjoying chess so much. Um, I have every intention of of keeping on with this.
0: (laughs) Speaking of working with kids, you know, um, what was your, what was the first ever national event that you worked at?
1: My first national event was probably the one we met at (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: this year. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's very, um, uh, fast paced and there's just a, a lot happening there. Um, and I think it's, a, it's sort of a really interesting snapshot of, of the, the chess community as well, um, in terms of uh, how an event is organized, how it's run, and, and just the sheer number of kids who play, right?
1: Yeah, it was staggering. Yeah, it was over 2,200 kids or something like that, right? I mean,
0: that's right. Yeah, we had a huge turnout this year.
1: That's an insane amount. And that, that event was amazing, it was very, very enjoyable. So I hope you guys have me again.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. We'd love to. Um, question. One One thing that I was wondering about in terms of um, like directing and, and organizing an event, uh, you, you work on, you said you do some local ones in Northeastern Ohio. Is that correct? I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in those events, uh, one of the things that I'm always curious to hear is, uh, the structure of them, do you guys run them as far as like, is it an open? Is it Scholastic, Scholastic open together? How does that work?
1: Um A lot of, I mean, we run a lot of different events, but um mm. the Scholastic ones are probably our largest ones with over 300 kids. Usually. Wow! And we have Joe Young up here. So he's a national. Oh, yeah, right. Amazing. Yes. So he, um <laughs> he basically does all the, all the hard work <laughs> and we help him out. Um so I work as a floor TD, you know, so it's pretty, pretty easy job for me. I go around, I, I ask, answer questions uh, and do a little bit of enforcement, but not much. And
0: and uh, basically do- <laughs> a little bit of enforcement. Yes. Bring, bring the heavy stick. This one is mis- oh, okay. Um So which, these days, which do you, which would you say you, you do or play more of? Chess tournaments or cornhole tournaments?
1: Um, it depends on the time of year. Like right now is what I would call the heavy cornhole season, like January to um, through July. If there's a okay. lot of pro cornhole events that um, I very much want to attend around the country. So it's very travel intensive and time intensive this time of year. And it sort of slows down um, August through through December. So I'll be looking to play a lot more chess tournaments during that time. Sure. Um, but I do play every Tuesday. I go to Parma. Um when we hold our own events up here in Cleveland, I, I usually try to play those as well if I'm able. Um
0: is Parma a local club tournament organizer?
1: Um, it's just a chess club where they run quads every okay. Tuesday. So gotcha. it's rapid chess, but you know, you get some games in, in the evening, which is nice. And um Right. Yeah, and I don't know where the future will hold. You know, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't intend to be a pro cornhole player necessarily. It just sort of happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is that what every pro cornhole player says, do you think?
1: Um, Probably not. You know,
0: there are some who are really, really, that was their goal on their career career path.
1: <laughs> well, maybe not a career path, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know this. It, it's kind of hard to say where all of this is going. It's exploding right now. The the money's sure. there, which it wasn't before. So I'm kind of just on this ride, you know. Right. Uh, all these media appearances, I had no idea this would all happen. You know, like I've been on on, um, you know, Live with Kelly and Ryan. I've been right. at Chatter, yeah. Barstool, uh, USA Today,
0: NBC. Wow. Um, we are lucky to have you. Thank you for There's- coming on the chess underground.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember them all, but and um, but you're not lucky to have me. I'm lucky to have these opportunities, you know, <laughs> and um, so with all that happening, it's hard to say where cornhole's going to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, right.
1: But I'm on this ride. I'm on this journey. So um, I'm going to stick with it uh, and and see where this adventure takes me. So I'm pretty excited.
0: <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, Stacia, I, I really, really appreciate you coming on and, and speaking with me today. Um, thanks for taking time out of your your busy schedule to do so.
1: Oh, sure. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, it's great to talk to you again, too, Pete.
0: Absolutely. And and uh, a couple requests. Number one, when you do make IM, uh, I would love to have you come back on and <laughs> teach me a thing or two about chess, as well as you know, tell me about your journey to get there. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Yes. And number two, uh, please bring a cornhole setup to the next national event you work because that would be a lot of fun.
1: Oh, that would be fun. Okay. That would be my pleasure. You can count on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Stacia. I, I, I can't say thanks enough. It's been a blast, and um, I appreciate you joining me.
1: Okay. Yeah, and one last thing, Pete. Um, I'll give you, sure. I'll give you one free cornhole lesson if you'll give me one twenty three hundred hundred level chess lesson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, that sounds like a, a deal. I am more than happy to make.
1: Okay, great. I look forward
0: to that. <laughs> Same. Thanks, Tisha. Okay. Thank you, Pete. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Chess Underground, a US Chess podcast. Please check out our entire suite of podcasts, which release every Tuesday and include Ladies' Night with Jen Shahad, as well as Chess Life cover stories and One Move at a Time with Dan Lucas. Until next time, signing off, Pete Carianos.